Hello, Harbor family. I am just following up on Braden's sermon from last week as he started off our series on mechanics of the gospel. And so today we're going to take a look first at, at the basic building blocks that Braden introduced last week, just to kind of get a sense of where we've been and where we're going. And then we'll step right into today's topic. So we have the building blocks here, the building blocks of the gospel. So Braden talked last time about how there is one God by whom and for whom all things exist. And uh, this week, what I'm going to be focusing on is how we have separated ourselves from God by sin. Then in the coming weeks, we're going to have the following building blocks. Uh, God has provided a solution to our sin in Jesus Christ. Jesus died on a cross and rose from the grave. We are saved by accepting Jesus' sacrifice and repenting of our sins. We are called to follow Jesus with our whole lives. And finally, if we're saved, we will spend eternity with God. So that's where we're going. And uh, as I said, we're going to focus on how we have separated ourselves from God by our sin. So last week, Braden talked about creation. He talked about how in the Bible it says, in the beginning, God. Right? And we know that God was there at the very beginning and he created everything in this earth for us to take care of, for us to enjoy, and created us so that we could worship him as well. And so that was kind of the first chapter of the Bible uh, that talks about the creation. And today I really want to go on to the next couple of chapters. And I want to warn you, first of all, I know if you're worried right now because Braden did Genesis chapter 1, David's coming along to do chapter 2 and 3, is this series going to take us all the way through the Bible and am I going to make it through? Well, you don't have to worry about that. We're not going to go through every single chapter, but I do want to focus on Genesis 2 and 3 this week. So, we take a look first at Genesis 2 verses 15 to 17. We see here it says, The Lord God took the man, which is Adam, and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So here, Adam's been given free reign, right? All of God's creation is there for him. He can eat of any single tree that's there. But the one tree he's not allowed to touch is called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because if he eats of it, he'll surely die. So really, Adam's just given one job, one thing he can't do. Just one rule. Can you imagine that? If life only had one rule, how easy things would be? Well, it wasn't so easy for Adam, as we'll see as we continue with Genesis 3. 
So skipping ahead, uh, at this point, Eve had come on the picture. God had decided that Adam needed a partner. And so he made Eve. And here we have the serpent that's coming. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. And here the serpent replies, You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And here we see, this is, this is where we first kind of see Satan in the Bible, right? He's taken on this uh, role of the serpent and he's tempting He's tempting, the, uh, he's tempting Eve right now because he knows that he can use kind of a, a hint of truth. There is some truth to what the serpent's saying here. God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open. Yes, they're going to open their eyes with this fruit. That they're going to get that knowledge of what's good and what's evil. But the problem is, once they know what's good and what's evil, the expectations will be higher. Right now, there's only one rule, one law that they have to follow. But once they know the difference between good and evil, God can't, God can't let them... Uh, sin. It's just not something he can abide by. And so we can see that there's going to be some consequences to this. In verse 6, it says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So up until this point, they were like all the animals, right? They didn't have to worry about clothing. Naked was just the way they lived. And yet, as soon as they ate of that fruit, they knew they were ashamed. They had to cover up. They had to sew some fig leaves together to cover up. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And here we have the first game of hide and seek. It wasn't really a fair game because I'm pretty sure God already knew where they were. Adam answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid 
because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. And here we see the blame game starting to be played, right? This is very familiar to me because I see it all the time when I'm teaching. I get kids that say, oh, but she made me do it. And I say, it doesn't matter. You made the decision to do it. In the same way, it doesn't matter. Adam made the decision to eat. He can't blame this. He can't pin this on Eve, right? Just as Eve can't pin this on the serpent, which she's going to try to here. So then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? So the Lord said to the, or the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Again, she's trying to pin the blame on him. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman. And between your offspring, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Happy Mother's Day next week, moms. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, right? It wasn't, it wasn't something, a mis- there wasn't a misunderstanding here, right? Adam knew. You must not eat from it, he said. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. No more of this easy food. You're going to have to work for it now. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, to dust you are, and to dust you will return. Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. And here we see the separation of God from humankind, right? We're not allowed to be in that paradise in the Garden of Eden. We were banished because... Once we knew, once we were part of, um, once we were part of the sinful world, once we had made that choice as humankind, we couldn't be in God's presence anymore. Because 
where God's presence is, there can't be sin. And where there's sin, God's presence can't, God pre God's presence can't exist. So let's take a look at a verse from Romans. We see here from Romans 6.23, and I'm just going to look at the first part of the verse today because that's kind of our main focus. Uh, if you want, feel free to look it up on your own, or maybe you already know the verse. But I just want to focus on this part. It says, for the wages of sin is death. And that's what we see from, um, from God coming to the garden and saying, nope, you can't eat from the tree of life anymore. Because you can't live forever. Because you've made a decision to step away from me. So we see here that where there's sin, death comes next. Right? Not necessarily immediately afterwards, but it's coming. Let's take a look here at what Jesus says. So in Luke chapter 13... We see Jesus there, and, and it says, Now there were some, pres some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Something that's very sinful. Jesus answered, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them. Do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. So the people were coming to Jesus and saying, hey, look at all those people. They must have been real sinners. They must have been real big sinners. Right? And Jesus is saying, they're no more sinning than the rest of the people in, that, in Galilee. And in fact... Even the people in Jerusalem, who are God's chosen people, they're all sinning too. And unless they repent, everyone's going to perish. Because the wages of sin is death. So, I love this illustration here. It's, uh, you can see the picture of the Grand Canyon, and this is an illustration that I grew up listening to many, many times because my dad used to uh, preach a lot. And so I would hear his sermons. And, and this was one that he, an illustration he would commonly use when he would go to a new church. And uh, I want you to picture you're on the edge of the Grand Canyon. And I want you to imagine that all of humanity is lined up there. And the goal is to get to the other side of the canyon. That's where God is. That's where heaven is. Right? And so we need, that's our goal. That's where we want to get. But you don't have to worry about your legs. If you're a good jumper or not. If you were an Olympic long jumper. Or maybe you barely could jump. That's okay. It doesn't matter. Because it's not based on that. It's based on whether you have sinned. And so the, close, the more sinless a life you've lived, the further you can jump. So here we are, 
all lined up. And I'm just picturing myself, I'm here, and I've got, uh, say, the Unabomber is right over here. So I'm looking at the Unabomber to my left, and I'm thinking, well, I'm definitely going to get farther than him. I don't have to worry at all. Right? And then I look over here, and I see, oh, there's that person. The person that shall remain nameless, and I know who they are, and I know all the things they've done. They're not going to get very far either. I'm going to get much farther than them. I I attend church all the time, except during the coronavirus, but then I watch it on my computer or on my phone. So I'm good. You know, I read the Bible. I pray. I'm good. I've got this. These two people over here, they don't know what they're doing. I've got this. And so we all jump at the same time. And I can turn around in the air and see the Unabomber and my, my friend here who shall remain nameless. And I can see them. They're behind me. They haven't made it as far as me. And I can say, ha ha, you guys suck. I got so much farther than you. And then I go down, down, down. We all end up in the same location, dead. We don't make it to the other side. I'm not sinless. I'm far from it. In fact, I didn't tell you about all the people that were lined up that, I, that went much further than I did. But I'll tell you, not a single one of these people that were all lined up made it all the way across. And the reason that I know that is because of Romans 3.23, where it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. No matter what we do, we will fall short. There's nothing that can get us to that other side from our own strength. Pretty sad message, isn't it? Not that great uplifting message you like to hear on a Sunday morning. And yet, there's truth in this. And we need to come to the realization that yes, we are sinners. That yes, we are in need of a Savior. And, spoiler alert, yes, that Savior has come. And we'll talk more about that in the coming weeks. Let's just take a moment to reflect and to pray uh, to confess our sins to God. Either in your hearts or in your own homes, you can do it out loud. Nobody's going to hear you except for maybe your pets, your family. They already know a lot of the sins you've committed. So it's okay. Heavenly Father... We just ask for your forgiveness because we are sinners and we are in need of a Savior. Heavenly Father, we do things all the time that we shouldn't do. And we don't do things that we should do. And so, Lord God, we are just a sinful, miserable people. 
And yet, we know that that isn't the whole story. So, Lord God, I just pray that you would come to us and comfort us and forgive us. And we ask this all in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. So, this week, take some time to reflect. You can even look ahead in your Bible, see what's coming next, okay? Because we've already seen what the building blocks are. This was the bad news, right? We talk about the mechanics of the gospel. This was the bad news. The gospel is the good news. This is the bad news part, right? But the good news is that there's lots of good news coming. And so I want you to stay tuned, come back next week, and see what Braden has to say because the good news is coming. Have a great and blessed week.